Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 43, the Message Board Geniuses Podcast. This is Who's. I've got Casey, Joy, MBG. Got week three, the college football season in the books. Thought we'd kick things off today by talking a little SEC. So one of the big storylines from weeks one and two is that the SEC seemed a little less dominant than we've become accustomed to. That narrative got a little louder in week three, particularly with the teams that a lot of people expect to finish near the top of the conference. Georgia knocked off South Carolina by 10, but I think... Safe to say that most Georgia fans were less than pleased with how that game went. Alabama followed up their loss to Texas by struggling all game to put away a bad USF team. And Alabama fans were apoplectic from what, from what I saw on Twitter. And then uh, Tennessee, I mean, they played another SEC team, but they got smacked around by what I thought was a mediocre Florida team. So my question is, do y'all think the SEC is down this year? And if so, are they still the best conference in the country? So, Casey, what are you thinking? This narrative that the SEC is the best conference that's ever existed in the entire Ultraverse has just seemingly been around since the SEC network was spawned all the way back in I don't know what year. Don't expect me to do research on that. So I'm I'm kind of going to stay, stay consistent for once on this show, which doesn't happen and say the SEC is overrated as usual. It just doesn't necessarily have a top dog this this year. In my opinion, Alabama's not it. I think they're going to lose a few more games. The only team, and Joy, you might like this, the only team that I thought really bounced back from a little bit of adversity was LSU. I, if, you, if you put a gun to my head this past weekend and said Mississippi State plus nine and a half, you have to take Mississippi State, I would have said no problem and thought I would have been fine. Not saying Mississippi State would have won, a plus nine and a half, the way both teams were playing, I would have taken that bet all day long and twice on Saturday, and uh, I would have been very wrong. So I thought LSU bounced back really nicely. Mizzou had a nice win against Kansas State, but it's Mizzou. Again, when you don't have your top dogs being the number one and two teams in the conference, the Alabama, Georgia struggling, I think that's where you and I both know this, who's, and I'm sorry I keep going long-winded here, but like when the – when the ACC, once Florida State and Miami started dropping off, the, the whole conference took a big hit nationally. I think that may maybe a similar thing's going on right now in the, in the SEC because Alabama took a hit to Texas and really didn't play well last weekend. And Georgia's struggling along. They're still 3-0, and but they're still struggling. So I think maybe because the top end is struggling a little bit, that narrative is starting to change. And you see those fans melting down. It's a great for business. They're, they're not used – some of them aren't used to losing or being in close games. And it's genuine. I mean, they're, you know, people who I am friends with who are reasonable are freaking out. So it's not it's not just the message board warriors who are melting down. All right, Joy, what do you think about the SEC this year? Yeah, we all know that I love the SEC and would die by the SEC, but it's a down year. And, like, I think that it's okay to admit that. I don't think that it negates the – dominance that they've had over the last decade and i also think it's hysterical that it's week three and we're like everyone's like they're down 
why don't we like I don't know get to the end of the season and then discuss how the conferences at, like performed. This show is um, all about overreacting, Joy. That's what so, we got to do. I know, I know. And everyone is indeed overreacting, and maybe I'm That's overreacting by jumping on the third down bandwagon. Maybe I am, but I'm with Casey. I do think that LSU has by far looked the most improved. I genuinely thought Mississippi State. I had really lowered my expectations and given them that game mainly I think that was just a preventative measure so I wouldn't get hurt but I thought that they would come out and really wreck our world and I I noticed a lot of growth and maturity by that team but again Casey's right the top dogs are struggling and when the top dogs are struggling everyone just assumes that the whole conference is down and that might be the case and it might not be the case but I I completely and totally validate the overreactions and right now (laughs) if I had to say it was down yes it's 100% down and I have no problem admitting that MBG you have a hot take? Well, the only hot take I have is what I had said off air was that that the Pac-12 is clearly the king in their last season, um, that they've overtaken the SEC, at least for this year. So, yeah, I mean, I think the SEC's down. LSU looks really good, but, you know, last year they were so good because Tennessee was playing well. Obviously, Alabama was playing well. Georgia was playing well. South Carolina was playing well. Obviously, LSU was playing well. Ole Miss was playing well. But this year, I mean – Nobody's really looked dominant at all. LSU looked the best yesterday. I mean, I still think probably Texas A&M or LSU come out of the West, and then Georgia obviously still going to be undefeated um, because of their schedule. But depending on how that goes, SEC's probably only going to get one team in the playoffs. So, I mean, I think they're down. I don't know how good Auburn is. You know, you don't really know how good Ole Miss is. Arkansas uh, doesn't appear to be any good. Kentucky's Kentucky. Tennessee looks really bad. Florida's probably improved. I think they're better than what they showed the first week. Nobody there really scares you. If you're Michigan or Ohio State or USC or Oregon, are you really scared of any of those teams like maybe you would have been in years past? Probably not. Yeah, probably not in week three. Yeah, it seems to me like the biggest difference with Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee is a quarterback. All three had you know, very good quarterback play last year, and they haven't had it this year. And so, I mean, I think if you're those teams – that's what you're looking to is if you get improved quarterback play, I think that fixes a lot of the other issues. It's yeah. also why I think LSU could do a lot, make a lot of noise in the SEC. I don't think they don't have that issue. I mean, they have, you know, more consistency at quarterback and a guy with more experience. When's the last um, time also, that happened? When's the last time y'all can remember yeah. that LSU was the school in the SEC that didn't have quarterback issues? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> it, no, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird year, especially because all for all three of those teams to turn over their quarterback in the same year too. How good was Hendon Hooker? I think Tennessee's figuring out right now that Hendon Hooker was pretty pretty good. He was perfect for that offense. I mean, mm-hmm. he really was. And that's why I thought before, like, everyone talking about how far Milton can throw the ball and that offense, I don't know that that makes a difference. I mean, he, he had when we played them, he had one really nice pass that got dropped, but I thought he looked bad. I mean, he was missing easy th- – and that offense is set up for to make easy throws. And – he missed a bunch of them badly. I, I do think, I mean, that Mizzou win was nice. LSU looked good. I think Ole Miss has looked really good. I think there's maybe more parity in the SEC this year. And one, I have no idea if this is a factor now or not, but I think it could be going forward with the transfer portal. I don't think you're going to have a lot of four and five-star guys who are going to sit around and back guys up anymore. And so when they can move to other schools, I, I do think, you know, Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, to a lesser extent, but, they're not going to have the same depth that they usually have. And I think other teams are going to have more talent, especially in the SEC. So 
it could be that those top teams and you know don't look as good right now. I do think all three of those schools are going to look better by the end of the year, just because they're going to figure out their quarterback situations. But the you know the depth thing, I do think is you're going to see a little bit more parity in the SEC going forward. I think. Yeah, that Ole Miss Alabama game will probably be the one to watch here this week. Yeah, especially with Golding, right? Going mm-hmm. going back, is it in Tuscaloosa? Is that is that where the game is? Yeah. Yep, it's in yeah, Alabama. Him going back to Tuscaloosa after they all wanted him gone. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one to watch, I think. All right. So next up we have our mailbag question. This one comes to us from Twitter user and friend of the podcast, who also is one of my college buddies who I don't have a nickname for. So he's just Brian. His question is if your favorite team were to hire a Dion style celebrity coach, who would you want it to be? Casey, who are you going with? I think it's actually great that everyone else has a nickname and he doesn't. So that's kind of actually makes it even funnier to me. But anyway, great question, Brian. This took a lot of thinking, truly. And I went with Kurt Russell. And and here's the reason. I'm going to need Kurt Russell to be in full Herb Brooks character the entire time during his tenure. Like when he, like in that 2004 movie, Miracle where he played Herb Brooks, the head coach of the U.S. versus the uh, USSR hockey team. I, I just I just need him to be that guy 24-7, but Kurt Russell. So Kurt <laughs> Russell playing Herb Brooks, but Kurt Russell. So you've got Not Kurt Russell from Tombstone? <laughs> Not Wyatt Earp, Kurt mix, Russell? He can mix that a little bit in. You know, maybe if he goes too far, Herb Brooks. But, like, you know, I want him to blow the whistle and say, again, when they let these guys run down the hill constantly at Clemson, just again, you know, tearing ACLs, whatever, but he's building character for these guys. Last week we needed a thug. This week we need a thug coach. Kurt Russell is a thug, no doubt about it. I mean, when I think thug, I think Kurt Russell. Right, exactly. All right, Joy, who are you going with? I'm just going to be like so generic, and this will probably disappoint some people, but I don't really care. I think I would pick. I would want to pick an old player that just had like all the swag because that is what I think of when I think of Deion Sanders. So I would probably go with the player that currently isn't even allowed to step foot on LSU's campus because he passed out $100 bills after we won the 2019 national championship. And I have to go with Eldo Beckham Jr. I mean, he would act like a complete idiot, a complete moron. He would only care about the way that he looked on the sidelines. He'd be the best dress coach ever. And he would let the band play neck, which is really, at the end of the day, the most important thing. So (laughs) I would have to go with OBJ. I just feel like it would be so on brand. And honestly, like, didn't we kind of already get this with Ed Orgeron? Like, we kind of already got it. We've already gotten to experience it. So I feel like OBJ is the next best thing. So, Joy, you'll be happy to know that Ravens fans have fully embraced OBJ. We They love that. Like, my son, even. Like, it's his favorite, outside of Lamar, favorite guy on the team, you know, first catch in week one, huge ovation. It's kind of cool. Like they've totally adopted that guy. So most most fan bases like him as long as he's playing for your team. But if he's not playing for your team, you absolutely hate him. There are a lot of guys like that. All right, MBG. Well, when you say Dion, like to me, that means someone who's like a shameless self promoter who's really out to promote himself and does that by, I guess, putting together a good team and bringing a lot of hype. So I kind of thought about maybe like Michael Irvin or LeBron or Shaq, someone like that is who I thought about. But then I ultimately landed on the ultimate self-promoter. Kenny Powers is who I would have. (laughs) 
Can you imagine Kenny Powers roaming the sideline? Kenny Powers in Utah would be fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> Kenny Powers in Logan, Utah, roaming the sideline. So that's who I would land on. Michael Irvin would be my plan B, but Romney, you could throw him in there, but I'd probably stick with Kenny Powers. So I was so positive that my first choice was going to be taken that I had a backup choice. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going with Coach Letterman. Coach Letterman would be like that, that would be the perfect guy for UVA for a few reasons. He could teach us how to cheat, for one. <laughs> he could put the pro academic do gooders at UVA in their place. And he can get me a job with his cousin Brad. I mean, he touches all the bases as far as I'm concerned. So so my backup was Carrot Top. So I'm thinking I I definitely win with <laughs> going with Coach Letterman. Well, I didn't think we could afford Coach Letterman if I'm being frank with you. <laughs> so he was kind of uh yeah, I didn't consider him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought of right. that one too, but I was like, someone else is gonna take that one. Yeah, well, I was positive somebody would. So it's sad how excited I got about that. All right. So that brings us to our next segment, Genius of the Week. As always, each of us is going to nominate a player, coach, team, conference, mascot, someone who did something dumb in the last week. We'll put it to a Twitter vote and see who wins. For our last vote, my nominee, Mel Tucker, won in a landslide with 71% of the vote. Casey's nominee, Jeff Levy, came in second with 14%. Joy's nominee, Jamar Chase, finished third with with 13%, and MBG's nominee, Pete Sousa, came in fourth with 2%. I don't know how he didn't have 100%. (laughs) This is the week, MBG. All right, so I've now got 12 wins. Joy has nine. Casey has six. MBG is still sitting on zero. I've already got something teed up if we get to 29 wins. I haven't figured out 28 yet. We won't get there. Yeah. (laughs) So MBG, to give you a frame of reference here, you've now matched you've now matched Mets pitcher Anthony Young, who lost a major league baseball record 27 straight decisions for the Mets in 1992 and 1993. So once again, you're in fine company. Last week, Vanilla Thunder. Now Anthony Young, a guy who was playing baseball before Joy was born. So <laughs> Casey. I even felt bad for that guy, man. I, I, that, yeah, that, do you remember that whole thing? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm a Yankee fan, so obviously I didn't like the Mets at all. And I'm like, come on, dude, just win this one game. Yeah, 27 um, straight teams impossible, but he did. <laughs> just like NBA. This week, this week for my genius of the week, I'm actually going to one of my most beloved fan bases, Notre Dame. And I say that with dripping sarcasm. Now I definitely have I definitely have some friends in that fan base and we are friends and we can banter back and forth. But this time I saw a tweet from College Football Watcher. And when I when I dug a little deeper, aka snooped him out, I saw his profile picture was a picture of Marcus Freeman. So I, I'm guessing that he's got a little bit of Notre Dame lean to his college football watching. He he tweeted out former Notre Dame quarterbacks this week and gave stats on Tyler Buckner, who's at Alabama, Drew Pine, I believe he's at Arizona State, and Phil Yurkovich is at Pitt. And they're not good, okay? Phil Yurkovich probably had the worst game of any quarterback in the history of the world. And so they were kind of leaning in on that. 
And my friend, friend of the show, Five Foot Nothing Pod, says, as I was saying, were we even trying to be good at the QB position before landing Hartman? Which led me to respond with player development issue, right? This is a player development issue. Because if you look back at the recruiting, Jurkovic and Buckner, or two four-stars, excuse me, high four-stars, and you had a three-star, a very high three-star in Drew Pine. So you think you're going to hit on at least one of those three, right? They didn't. So that's got to be a player development issue. And now they're claiming Sam Hartman. But didn't Sam Hartman get developed because he was a low two-star recruit coming out of high school and landed at Wake Forest and had a lot of success there? But Notre Dame fans are claiming Sam Hartman, a la Ohio State fans claiming Joe Burrow. And Tate Martell. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. He comes up like every five episodes, I think. (laughs) Like, we talk about Tate Martell more than his mom does, I'm pretty sure. I don't know about that one. (laughs) Anyway, long story short, long-winded. I'm long-winded tonight, and I apologize. Maybe because I'm losing tomorrow. You know, I'm going to lose. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. So I just think that they're claiming Sam Hartman's development and saying that's a big win when verdict's still out on if Marcus Freeman can develop a quarterback. Notre Dame fans are my geniuses of the week. Yeah, Sam Hartman showed up there fully developed. I mean, he had some great seasons at Wake Forest. And what he's it's not like what he's doing right now is a surprise or that much different than what he's been doing. All right, Joy, who are you going with? This is so fun for me to get to do because I I feel like I don't really rag on this fan base very frequently because it's not AM. But my genius of the week are Alabama fans. And for I feel like a very obvious reason. So two weeks ago they started Jalen Milrow. And then all of a sudden, this he didn't have the he didn't have a great game. It was obviously the Texas game they lost. So what what does everyone do? Immediately blame the quarterback. Every Alabama fan during the Alabama Texas game was saying, "Bench Milrow, bench him. We don't want him." Da, 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 da. So what does he do? He benches Milrow this week and plays Tyler Buckner. And then they barely beat the University of South Florida. And then all of a sudden, all Alabama fans were like, "Pull Buckner, put a Milrow. What are we doing? Why aren't we playing?" They're just up in arms when. The week before, they were just griping and complaining. And I get that this is mostly every fan base. Like, I get that there's these people in every single fan base. But to see it from a fan base that just thinks that regardless of the fact that they did not win the Natty last year, that they still just sit on top of the world of college football and look down at everyone else like they're peasants. To see it coming, the desperation coming out of their fan base was just a little bit sweeter and then the final straw was when the AP vote came out and LSU was ranked above Alabama in week three of college football, which I did not have on my 2023 college football bingo card, but I'm here for it. So any chance I have to dig at Alabama, I'm going to take it. And this is just a really opportune time for me to do it. So Alabama fans are my genius of the week. Well, there was that post that uh, an Alabama fan was saying earlier that, that Saban had benched Milrow just to teach the fans a lesson to basically say, oh yeah, you, you want to see what kind of garbage I've got behind him? And then Today, when Saban came out and kind of said, yeah, we'll stop Miro next week, you know, he did a good job supporting the others. It almost makes it sound like that might have been partly true. That uh, It's weird, Saban- right? There's something odd going on. Yeah. I don't think it's – I don't think that that's why. I did see something that said that Miro did something and got suspended for a game, and they didn't, like, want to say that. So this was, like, his suspension. I don't necessarily believe he was trying to teach the fans a lesson, but yeah, I I mean, there's something odd going on. Yeah, and it's clear after watching that that Milrow is clearly the better of the three. I mean, they played Simpson too yeah. a lot of the game, and he made a couple decent throws. I mean, it was clear 
that Milrow was was clearly better than the other two. Like, I mean, you can see why he yeah, was the starter. So the fact that he didn't play at all, and it was a downpour, so you would think, okay, well, let's put someone in that can run the ball, which right. would have been Milrow. But the fact that he didn't go in at all, I mean, something was weird there. All right, MBG, who you got? Is this the week? Uh, I have to ask you every week. Well, this is the week. This time for real, honestly. Especially after hearing what Casey and Joy threw out there. This is the week. So my geniuses of the week this week are at North American University. You guys ever heard of North American University? Did you even know there was such I'm a you're saying no, Not yet? No. North American University is in Stafford, Texas. This year or this week, they played Portland State. So just to set this up, in week one, Portland State played at Oregon and lost 81-7 to at Oregon. 81 to 7, which tells you something about Portland State. So, North American University played Portland State this week. Do you know how that game went? That game finished 91 to nothing for Portland State. They had 91 points after three quarters. A team that got beat by Oregon 81 to 7 beat North American 91 to nothing in three quarters. This is North American stats for the game. They had two first downs. They were one of 15 on third down, minus 23 yards of total offense with minus 49 <laughs> rushing. Their quarterback was six of 15 for 17 yards and an interception. Their leading rusher was two carries for seven yards. And their leading receiver was two catches for seven yards. So my question is, why would you play that game? If you can't beat a team that can't stay within 74 points of Oregon and you can't stay within 90 points of them, why are you putting your kids out there? It seems like an injury waiting to happen. You're just embarrassing your student athletes. I'm not sure what kind of money Portland State pays for that game. But for even playing that game, uh, North American University are my geniuses of the week. Are we sure this is Bishop Sycamore? That kind of what it reminds me. I wonder if it's like even a real college. It's in apparently it's in Stafford, Texas. Right? Me either. It's real, but stats for the year, and they're giving up. They're giving up sixty-eight point six seven yards points per game to eight for themselves. They're giving up one hundred and forty-six yards rushing for and twenty-five for themselves. This is averaged through three games, and they're averaging one hundred and thirty-five yards a, a game in passing so that's they must have had another game that they were a little better but that's embarrassing our season yeah, I mean, seems so bad five and 91 <laughs> yeah yeah whenever you start feeling bad about your team just think of north american university yeah. those losers <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not it's not making me feel any better by the way <laughs> All right, so I, I switched up on you guys a, a tiny bit, but it's still kind of in the same vein. So my genius of the week is Danny Cannell, and I'm going to give you the background on this. As you all know, leading up to their game against Colorado, Colorado State head coach Jay Norvell took a shot at Dion, saying, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat and glasses off. That's what my mother taught. And then Dion, who has his own line of sunglasses, responded only as Dion can by gifting a pair of his glasses to every Colorado player. So the whole thing was just kind of amusing, fun talking point uh, leading up to the game. Fast forward to the actual game. Uh, Colorado State was hanging with Colorado. 
and Danny Cannell decided to insert himself into the fray on Twitter. And he said, imagine that appears Jay Norvell was spending the week studying film and game planning instead of doing interviews and selling sunglasses. So as always, Danny comes in clutching his pearls. You know, he always is kind of on brand for him. He's always saying stuff like this. The Reddit college football Twitter account quote tweeted Danny's post and said, 25 years ago this Thursday, Deion Sanders had a pick six on Giants quarterback Danny Cannell to seal the game on Monday Night Football. Cannell would later be benched and never become an NFL starter again. So, yeah, they just destroy him. So you think Danny would, like, maybe leave it alone. After the game, however, he goes in again, as we like to say, he doubles down on the Deion hate uh, and says – should you storm the field after a win in overtime as a 24-point favorite? <laughs> and this time it was Deion De- Sanders Jr. who, quote, tweeted him and said, you are a pure hoe, which for some reason just absolutely. By the way, 1.1 million views on the quote tweet, which made it even better. So um, It's now you know. at 15.1 million views. Oh, is it really? <laughs> So, Ooh, boy. because Danny well, decided to quote it again and say all class. Yeah, I mean, he he's just not going to leave it alone, which makes it even better. So, for, for being a pearl-clutching loser and repeatedly getting roasted on Twitter, Danny Cannell is my genius of the week. Danny Cannell needs to listen more to some Kenny Rogers. No one to fold him. <laughs> no one to walk away, Danny. We've been missing the MBG dad comments. That's a good one. I love the gambler. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to the message board post, we want to give a quick shout out to CFB Home for sponsoring the MBG podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB Home and online at fifthquarter.net. Also, we're doing a couple of cross promotions with other podcasts again this week. The first is with the Sickos Committee podcast. Their week three preview dropped last week with an episode titled Gray Soup. We're also doing a cross promotion with the Slander U podcast on their most recent show. They recapped week two covering Texas A&M versus Miami, Texas versus Bama, Colorado versus Nebraska, and much more. Love both those shows. So check them out. All right, MBG, what do you have for us this week? All right. So we're going to start with the week's biggest meltdown. Surprisingly, the biggest meltdown this week came from Tennessee fans. I don't know if you guys watched that game. It was one of the games this week that I was most excited to see, mainly because somebody was going to have a giant meltdown. Either Florida fans were going to go nuts on uh, Billy Napier or Tennessee fans uh, were going to go nuts with whatever they decided to go nuts about. And Florida whooped them. Uh, Florida beat them pretty good. I mean, I don't think that that game was really ever in serious doubt. Florida kind of jumped on them from the start, and Tennessee never never really caught up. So the meltdown started early. So I'm just going to read some of the better ones that I think. Keep in mind, Tennessee had one of their best years last year that they've had in a long, long time. And so keep that in mind. And what, they're 2-0 coming into this game? Not a real impressive 2-0, but they were still 2-0. So no reason to get too upset, but we're talking about Tennessee fans here. So early in the game, they're down a little bit, and they're starting to say, this program is in trouble. Look at how – Look at how experienced this roster is. This will likely be the best Tennessee team we see for several years. Afraid the Alabama game was the high water mark. And then this guy says, so Hypel is a quarterback guru, huh? And this is what he puts on the field? 
not only did he start him over Hendon two years ago to start the season, but now this trash. Another one says, shocking at how bad we are. Slow, not physical, and undisciplined, terrible. And then the game, as it gets a little bit later on, they're wanting to fire Coach, Coach Banks and leave him on the tarmac. Says, if you have any balls, uh, Coach Heupel, you'll leave him on the tarmac. This guy says, I suggest Heupel forefoot at halftime because this team has quit. No one is tackling nor look like they want to pack this crap up and hit the bus. This guy says, Heupel sucks. <laughs> Another guy says, the entire defensive staff needs to be fired. Ball 77 says, kill me. Uh, <laughs> this guy, Timothy Mitt, says he wants to know, what is Milton's Wonderlick? <laughs> and, and then as the, as the game kind of really got out of hand towards the end, and granted, ten, there were some tough call, calls that went against Tennessee, um, but it didn't cost him the game. So then they started in with this conspiracy theory, which you knew is coming. This guy says the fix is in and has been in all game. We never had a chance. Uh, next guy says there's not much we can do. The refs are obviously screwing us. This is unreal. And then another guy says, well, that's because Florida knew that the refs had their they had the refs in their back pocket. Another guy said the refs were bought and paid for in full. <laughs> <laughs> And so then that leads into they might as well just leave the SEC if they're not going to be treated right. Uh, this guy, Rich Vall, says, I'm over this trash conference and its blatant bias against Tennessee. Tennessee needs to start exploring going to another conference because they will never win anything in the SEC, and it's the SEC that will make sure of it. Bye. Conference USA will welcome them <laughs> tomorrow. Adios. And then finally, they had the obligatory, the obligatory, hopefully, prime is on speed dial. I'm not ready to call for Heupel's head or anything, but, man, you can't drop the Florida game. That is such a momentum and a morale killer. I just hope Danny White has prime's number for when it gets to that point. Hopefully, we can make the jump on him before any other SEC teams start calling. So, typical Tennessee fans, one coach is fired, blaming the SEC, claiming the game's fixed, and then wanting to fire their coach and hire Deion Sanders. Which, to be fair to Tennessee, there's probably been at least 50 teams fans that have wanted to hire Deion in the last three weeks. So they're kind Every of late down to the game. Yeah. <laughs> but that, kind, that meltdown there kind of ran the gamut of all of our favorite posters on the message boards, right? You had conspiracy theory guy. You had fire everybody guy. You had to get the next coach, the next uh, quarterback. You know, you had all those guys wrapped into one. That was kind of glorious. Did to say they to. needed to hire Urban. No, there were no. Was... Nobody wanted to hire Urban. Well, Just... he's clearly going to Michigan State. That's why. True. True. Fair point. My, my favorite part about the thing, I don't. I typically don't respond to many people that respond to my tweets, but Tennessee fans kept responding because I tweeted out these posts that said that the game was fixed. And I'd get Tennessee fans, many of them would say, well, they're not wrong. And so I just kept responding, are you saying the game is fixed? And they would like send video clips of like a bad call or a missed call. And I'd be like, so are you saying that it's fixed? And I'd just send another clip of a bad call. So I want to make clear that an official missing a call is quite different from the game actually being fixed. Like you see the <laughs> difference there, right? No, they do not. This game just reminded me, like, last year, Tennessee, like, got to taste a little bit of success 
and then they thought that they were just like the the end all be all of college football and I'm saying a little bit of success lightly like they have short-term memory loss they clearly forgot that they went into Columbia South Carolina and got their brains beat out but this just reminded me that Tennessee fans like they don't know how to win like they were intolerable last year and then they don't know how to lose they're the worst of college football fan bases because they're just they're the extreme on both ends of the spectrum didn't they get a ton of favorable calls against Alabama last year Seems to me yes. like oh yeah, uh, they did. Was, uh, yeah, but those yeah. don't count. <laughs> we forget about the because, ones that are pro Tennessee, right? Because the SEC is against like what like in the ACC, the running joke is that the North Carolina schools get preferential treatment, right? Like that's I, that's I think not a joke. Who's well? I mean, it's like a running thing, but like the idea that the SEC would just single out Tennessee. For no, no the SEC singles out Alabama and gives them preferential treatment. Then everyone else is equal. Right. No, it's, just, it's Alabama's the king. Yeah, it's just weird to think that they would have it out for Tennessee, right? And, yeah, and listen, no one has it out for Tennessee except Tennessee themselves. Yeah, and I've got good friends who are Tennessee fans on Twitter. But listen, after listening to some ratchet-ass Tennessee fans leading up to our game all offseason, like back in the summer – and then after the game, give me all the Tennessee tears. Like, I enjoyed <laughs> the end of that game and those posts so much, and especially when you're asking them if they were saying that the game was fixed, and they were completely evasive about it. And you're right. It's like they don't know the difference between a back call and somebody getting paid off. I eventually said to one guy, I said, I just want you to tell me that the game was fixed. He wouldn't do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Tennessee this weekend. I'm going to the Tennessee game, and I cannot wait to see what their what that environment is like now that they've lost. Who do they have I'm this week? A crappy team like UTSA or something. Oh, that's right, it's UTSA. They're not terrible. You know who's having terrible. a really rough time. I'm excited. You know who's having a really rough time right now is. Uh, have you guys seen the guy on Twitter who got like the full thigh tattoo of Josh Heupel's face? Yes, I think I... it's 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 way too lifelike like the shading on his jowls and, and like everything it's a little horrifying and yeah so th that dude might be the saddest tennessee fan out there what do you think there's a tattoo artist that can kind of maybe make that into dion's face yeah. <laughs> he's gonna have dion to might have to put chin. on a Dion might have to put on a few LBs, but <laughs> what are you talking about? He could absolutely probably make it into Mark Mangino. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Tennessee could just hire Brett Bielema or something. I'm sure that would be an easy one to change. <laughs> He'd take the job in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, poor Tennessee fans. Uh, but that was my all, all my terrible preseason takes that I was wrong about. The one I might be right about, I'm pretty sure I said Tennessee under nine and a half wins. So yeah. out of like the 10 different predictions I had to start the season, I think one of them probably is still alive. So I'm going to ride really with that one. really a running document of our hot takes because by the end of the season, none of us are going to remember what we said. Well, <laughs> except think, for Casey because yeah. his changes every week. So Casey would be right about something. Exactly. Yeah, Casey's got his bases <laughs> covered, no doubt about it. <laughs> Next week, no matter who wins out of Florida State or Clemson, Casey's got <laughs> covered. Casey was right. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> See, when you're evasive and you don't remember what you say, it just it yeah. just works. I don't know what evasive means, but I don't know if it worked there. 
All right. So I got some more semi meltdown uh, posts. Casey, you mentioned Phil, is it Yurkovich, ex Notre Dame quarterback, who's now the quarterback at Pitt, who had an absolutely terrible game. I think he's pretty much had a terrible year so far. He hasn't played well at all. I think the fans booed him in the opening week, and he kind of made some comments about how fans shouldn't be booing him. And and this last week, I mean, he threw for like 81 yards and had three interceptions against West Virginia, who's really not that good. And so Mm -hmm. obviously the fans were not pleased with Mr. Yurkovich, and I think that they've already announced that he'll remain the starter for next week. So they've got a plan for this, and it on the pit board – Pit fan Steve says, attention pit fans for next week. You must boo Phil. The second he takes the field as a starter, he has to know that everyone is pissed. Pat has to know that everyone is pissed. This has to be done. Next guy comes in and says, I'm going to boo his butt off the field. Can't wait to boo that little crybaby. And then the next guy takes it up a notch here. Old Jay Rosicki says, Screw soft Phil. He's terrible and whines about getting booed. He's been in college for 10 years and still hasn't learned to play quarterback or take criticism like any other 28-year-old man (laughs) that gets paid to do his job. The kid from Duke played better against West Virginia. Screw booing. Fans should shower him with beers when he comes out of the tunnel, throw batteries at him like he was an opposing player at the vet in Philly and students should punch him in the stomach every time they see him on campus. <laughs> He's terrible and he whines and transfers when he receives criticism instead of attempting to improve. He needed to have been benched in the second half of two games, but it hasn't happened. So I'm hoping to see him go off the field one last time on a cart. Yikes. That's maybe, Okay. That's maybe, too far. That's maybe taking a lot. I mean, okay, dump some beers on him. All right, throw some batteries. Yeah, maybe you're kind of approaching the line there. Punch him in the gut. But then getting carried off on a cart seems to maybe maybe cross the line there. Yeah, Pitt fans have done the impossible and made West Virginia fans look classy somehow. So. <laughs> Yeah. Have you guys ever had anybody that you wanted to just boo right off the field? So many times. Who, Joy? I mean, we had an era of horrible quarterbacks at LSU, so pretty much all of them. Don't uh, you say John David Booty. Don't you dare. Oh, no, not John David Booty. Okay, I, I'm loyal to John David Booty, but I wanted to boo all of them. And honestly, I wanted to boo Les Miles I've, so many times. I did boo Les Miles, actually. And then I'll never forget it. The game, the A&M game that Les won and the players like carried him off the field because he had redeemed his job. Like I wanted to boo every player on that LSU team. I was like, thank you for setting us up for yet another year of mediocrity. Like I freaking hate all of you. So, so many times I've wanted to boo people. Casey, DJU? No? No, I'm I'm a weird fan. I, I, as long as they play for my team, I'm not going to boo them. But as soon as they leave, I'll boo them. But then I look at Notre Dame fans, it's going to be a recurring theme. And they're just petty all the time for their, their coaches and players that leave. And I realize that I don't want to be that guy. So I'm not going to ever be that guy. So next week he'll say that he's more than ready to boo. Um, yeah, I boo the <laughs> shit out of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I've, I've got a very, I have a very specific one as usual. So way too much detail, but I'll try and, uh, I'll try and do it quick. So in 1996, 
we had a defense that was number 11 in the country in scoring defense. We had guys like Rondé Barber, James Ferrier, Jamie Sharper, Anthony Poindexter, a ton of NFL guys on defense. We also had two guys who ended up running for 10,000 yards in the NFL and two wide receivers who played in the NFL. So we, we were loaded. We ended up going seven and five because our starting quarterback looked like he was throwing the ball with the wrong hand. He completed, I had to look this up and it was worse than I even remembered. 50.2% of his passes. He threw four touchdown passes and 11 interceptions. So of course everyone's calling for the backup, right? So the backup gets some run. He completed 41.6% of his uh, passes through one touchdown and seven interceptions. So between our two quarterbacks, five touchdown passes in 12 games and 18 interceptions and somehow went, still went seven to five. That's how good we were everywhere else. And then the, the amusing part is the backup guy, the one who threw one touchdown and seven interceptions, ended up starting for the Saints for years. It was Aaron Brooks. <laughs> so he ended up being good. But like that year was the most infuriating year ever to be a UVA fan. I don't know why that made me. You don't win a game. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard about the, the fact that he was throwing with the wrong hand. Like, you know, <laughs> I was just picturing this, this kid that's growing up like. and he's, he's throwing left handed his whole life. And here he gets into college and you're like, you know what, son? Uh, you might be right handed. <laughs> just try on this drive to just switch hands. Just imagine oh, what that yeah. would look like. And that, that was pretty much what it looked like. Like, throw a five yard out. Nope. Like, well, that's when I was in college, so yeah. Virginia beat us, uh, I think, and at least in 95, they beat us. Oh, yeah. I don't think, I don't think rain parents weekend. Mine was back when, you know, when Jordan Love was a sophomore. I mean, nobody knew he was going to be as good as he turned out being, but there were whispers that, that he was really, really good. Um, and Utah State had a quarterback. His name was Kent Myers. By all accounts, he was a good kid, but uh, it didn't really go much further than that. He was not a good quarterback. And for whatever reason, Matty, Matt Wells loved <laughs> loved some Kent Myers, and he just would not put Jordan Love in, would not do it. And so I think Kent Myers got booed several times until Matty finally pulled the trigger and uh, put Jordan Love in. But uh, that would be the one time was just waiting to get uh, Jordan Love on the field. Utah State, but finally did it. Jordan Love killed it, by the way, through two weeks. And, and yeah, threw a touchdown pass to my guy, Dontavian Wicks, this week. That was really cool. Other than, did you see his quarterback sneak trip into the offensive line? That didn't go so well for him. But other yeah. than that, I, think I was at that game. I was at the game yesterday with the Packers and the Falcons. And yeah, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, but overall, I think he's I think he's held up fairly well. All right, next one. Um, we talked a little bit about Dion, um, and that every everybody's talking about Dion. You can't get away from him. Every message board, every TV show, every website, somebody's got to talk about Dion. Every podcast, for whatever reason, <laughs> I was going to say, has to talk we're, we're about not guilty Dion. Of <laughs> That's really what what everyone's talking about. I mean, it makes Colorado's move to pay him whatever uh, they decide, agreed to pay him genius. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't buy this sort of notoriety. So everyone's talking about him and the Clemson board was talking about him. Casey, your guys, the big dog on tiger net. He has this to say, he says, I don't know why y'all hate on coach prime. He's just a black version of Dabo charismatic loves to hear himself talk. <laughs> 
great I'll, recruiter. There's only one difference, and that is Prime can dance, and apparently Dabo cannot dance. So, Casey, is Dabo the white version of Dion? You listen here, big dog. <laughs> Dabo can dance. <laughs> so you're saying there is absolutely no difference? None. Zero. They both love God. They both preach about God. They both say God bless, and they both have the moves of an angel. But I've, I, I don't know that I've ever seen Dion in pleated khakis. I've never seen Dion dance, so I need Dion to dance. And now that he's two toes down, I wonder if he's nearly as good as he was, you know, previously. He's dancing in the end zone, man. Well, when he would do his little thing, yeah. I count that as dancing personally. I don't. <laughs> they pimp him at the Falcons games. They they he's up on the screen saying "rise up" and everything like that. Oh, so that's cool. I had a whole, and he got a standing ovation. It was just a video, but he got a standing ovation when his video came up and told the fans to rise up. So isn't so I can't get away from him. Isn't the main thing they have in common that a lot of people hate both of them because they they don't seem that similar to me, especially like the way they build their teams could not be any more different, right? Like, that, I mean, Dion's entire team came through the transfer portal. That's what Dabo doesn't do. And Dabo's probably loyal to a fault, you know, to guys who are in-house. And Dion literally cleaned house. So, and also, I'm sorry, Casey, I know he's your guy, but Dabo's just, he's such a dork. I mean, Dabo's the white Urkel, maybe, but I don't i don't see how he's the white Dion. That, uh, this, I thought this was one of the funnier posts that we've covered on here. Yeah, I, other than the fact that they're both Division One football coaches, I, <laughs> to me the similarities end right there. I'm not sure I see any <laughs> other similarities between Dabo and Deanna. Maybe I don't know him well enough. Maybe Big Dog has some personal insight to both those two gentlemen. <laughs> but I see no similarities other than that. Dabo's got some phrases, though. The other day he said in a press conference that I happened to be at, yep, humble brag, he was talking about that uh, everyone wanted him out of there after he lost to Duke, but like a hair on a biscuit, he's still around. (laughs) (laughs) A hair hair on a biscuit? Also, would you also want to get rid of a biscuit with a hair on it? Just, I mean, like... I was waiting for the punchline. Literally, I'm sitting at the press conference and I'm looking at it and I'm and I laughed my ass off. You hear me in the in his because I'm laughing like I do on this show, and I was waiting for like yeah. a next thing to come and nothing. It was another question from a reporter. I mean, I literally, like, okay. the, the thing that a, a coach who loses in a, a biscuit with a hair on it have in common is that you send them both back, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good lord, is that it like a pretty- southern? Express. I mean, I've got you know, family from the south. I don't know that I've ever heard the hair on a biscuit expression before. I've never heard it, and I thought maybe he was taking a page. Maybe he listens to the show because you know, with me and my word of the week that I don't know, the <laughs> name, maybe maybe he just heard that in passing. Maybe he heard it on another podcast. Maybe slander you. Maybe Pablo had it out there the other day and talked about it, so he wanted to use it. You know, no, that's you where know I get my word of the week anyway fun as hell is to be in a job like that and just say like random like that and wait and see if anybody calls you on it like just say like a like a hair on a biscuit and just wait for someone oh, to call you out there's memes now on it like in the Clemson people are yeah they're eating it up awesome. no pun intended 
I'm assuming you all watched it. Maybe you East Coasters didn't, but did you watch the the entire Colorado Colorado State game? I did, guys. Can you believe it? Sure, I fantastic. saw you tweet at two fifteen a.m. I was shocked. I did not go to bed until two forty-five a.m. Is that because you, you got to bed at six and you just woken up for the day, or <laughs> no? I just decided to stay up and watch it. I feel like if I'm gonna be a equal opportunity hater, I need to at least make sure I'm watching the games that I'm hating on. I mean, that was it's fair. Objectively speaking, that was a very exciting game. I mean, one of the more exciting games I've ever seen. Not necessarily the most well-played game, but in terms of the excitement. And that's all – I mean, really, that's all because of Dion. Because if that's Colorado and Colorado State in the exact same game and, you know, Colorado's head coach is, you know, anyone other than Dion, I mean, you turn that thing off at midnight and just look at the score in the morning, right? But I I wonder how many people went to that game last year. You know, like I, I should have looked that up before now, but I can't imagine it was anything like however many they drew this year. Oh yeah, and like I say, I mean that's a that's an in-state. It's a fairly big rivalry, but you know it's just insane the amount of attention that was on that game for what is I mean really a real bad Mountain West team. Colorado State is not good. Yeah, we're forgetting that. Everyone and, in the country's forgotten that. <laughs> and Colorado, I mean, they were two and zero, but they're probably an average P five team at best. That's probably their ceiling, right? An average P five team against a, a real bad Mountain West team, and uh, the whole country was focused on it and willing to stay up until two in the morning on the East Coast to watch it. So it was exciting and it was fun. Um, I was cheering for Colorado State because I'm a Mountain West guy, but Colorado State really blew that thing. I mean. <laughs> They pretty much gave it to Colorado. And I think if Tennessee fans can cry about the officiating and the game being fixed, Colorado State certainly can do the same because uh, they were on the wrong end of some pretty rough calls, which you can imagine how Colorado State fans took that game. They pretty much had it in hand and, and gave it away. On the Colorado State board, Ram Nation, there was this guy, Parker Rams fan, and he was not happy at all. He says... <laughs> He's got some good one-liners in here. Hang on to your britches, Joy. He says, "I'm officially changing the name of t- of the name of Team in Boulder. They are no longer the Fluffs. They are the University of Cucks and effing pussies because that's what they are. And we revealed it to the world on national TV. To beat them, you have to literally beat them because they can't take a punch. They are not." tough by any metric and needed the refs to bail them out yet again shredded shredded cheese sanders needs to be treated like the punching bag he is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree dion was never and still isn't tough and neither are his two coddled little baby boys i can only imagine the pain shack would have brought if he were involved in this game. Talking about Shaq Barrett, who played at Colorado State. The meat grinder that is the rest of the season awaits. We just gave you a preview of the physical hell other significantly better pack teams will lay upon you. I hope Dion owns stock and depends because <laughs> he will be crapping his pants for the rest of the season. Good luck, cucks. So the first thing, there's a lot of funny one-liners in there. But I'm not a real big Dion fan, and I'm not a Colorado fan. 
But to say that the Sanders boys aren't tough, I think, is wrong. Because if you watch that game, Shador, is that the, the son that's the quarterback? Yeah. That kid's, yeah. that kid's tough, man. I was skeptical that he was going to be a good quarterback. But even if you think Colorado's not that good, he's played well. And he was tough, man. He took some shots. Uh, and he well, kept getting up. I mean, saying Dion isn't tough is crazy. Like, he wasn't known for tackling, obviously, and he kind of avoided contact. But the dude played – with an injury literally for so long that his toes are falling off. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean he's, I, saying he's not tough is just kind of a wild take. Also, the part that gets me is that arguably the worst missed call in the entire game was a Colorado State player that actively hunted down and injured a Colorado player. So they're like, the refs took us out of it. They also kept you in it. And y'all took out their arguably their best player. So it, it goes – I'm so over the ref blaming. It goes both ways. Y'all gave away that game fair and square. Wild how many Colorado State fans were saying, uh, you know, that wasn't even dirty. It was like a bang-bang play. I mean, it was like I don't have any stake in it. Like, it was it was late as hell. I mean, I mean, the ball was on the ground when he hit him. So, you know, the yeah, guy doesn't the deserve the death threats. The amount of former players that have come out and said, like, I know what it's like when you are going after someone, and that's exactly what that yeah. was. People that have played the game knew exactly what they were doing. Did you see that kid and his mom's cell phone numbers were released online and they've been getting death threats. I mean, that's when, you know, all this hype in football maybe kind of goes a little too far, but yeah, I mean, that was a dirty hit. Um, He deserved to have been ejected from that game probably and maybe even suspended for a game or two. For that, so yeah, I mean, Colorado State was the more physical team and maybe crossed the line. I think they had like 10 personal fouls, um, in that game, Mm -hmm. and it cost them. I mean, it cost them. I think the one call they're talking about is there was there was a pretty terrible blindside block call in overtime that kind of kept Colorado alive, and it was really a bad. Well, actually, I think it was obviously when Colorado State had the ball, but um, it cost them a, a score. Um, and it was a pretty bad call. Um, so I think that's probably the one leaving the bad taste in their mouth, but all the rest of them were legit. <laughs> Travis Hunter lo- missing three games is going to be, at least that's what Prime said. Yeah, it'll be a big hit. Or liver or something, right? Something like and that. And they're 20 and a half point favorites at last check, or uh, underdogs, excuse me, 20 and a half points against Oregon this weekend. Yeah, the rubber's going to meet the road here. I think we've said that before. I think I said I that when they played Nebraska and it didn't happen. So, I mean, I, I've been wrong at every turn with the with uh, Colorado, but I man. think Oregon's a little bit better than Nebraska. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if they go up and keep it enjoyed. close in Oregon, that, that'll be impressive. Yeah, it will be. Man. I've enjoyed in this message to beat them, you literally have to beat them. It, it sounded vaguely like one of those old Jack Handy <laughs> skits on uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw this, but so fake YO Sports, I think, follows the podcast account. He responded to one of those tweets with that Trent Dilfer tweet. Do y'all remember? Or his not a tweet, it was something he said on the air. He said, You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win, which is like <laughs> someone who saw a lot of Dilfer in Baltimore. That, that's a very on brand statement for him. Now, now I don't feel bad about hitting him with that spit wad. That's right. <laughs> you say something that dumb, you deserve it. 
Hey, by the way, what does shredded cheese Sanders mean? What am I missing there? I think it's a play on Shadur. Oh. A, a real poor uh, attempt. <laughs> so, a so bad I didn't get it. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing. No, I think you're right. That's definitely – I did not get that at all. Yeah, I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> I, I'm guessing this was a drunk post. No. I guess. I mean, I'm just going out on a limb here. I, this was posted, I think, like about an hour after the game, and I'm, so I'm guessing this Colorado State fan had been through it <laughs> that night. If I had a dollar for every time that I tied one on and immediately went to the message boards. That's right. <laughs> Listen, I'd we encourage drunk message board posting, man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Absolutely. Just like you yes. encourage your friends to drunk tweet their ex just to see what they'll do, right? <laughs> Just hit send. Just do it, man. <laughs> She'll definitely respond. <laughs> uh, okay, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up with some Texas Tech fun. So there are some Texas, uh, some Texas Tech fans that were real upset at some of the music that was played at the stadium. Um, I'm not quite sure what it was, but. This gentleman here, Tech Spur from RedRaiderSports.com, was not happy about it. He says, why obscene song lyrics played at football games? I checked several, four plus. There is no way they should be played. Drugs, racist, lawlessness, prostitutes, and vulgarity. So I don't know what kind of stuff they're playing up at Texas Tech, but he's not happy with songs that Talk about drugs, racist, lawlessness, prostitutes, and vulgarity. Sounds like a good time. I hope they never go to Baton Rouge. (laughs) (laughs) That's just coming out of our student section. I would think Texas Tech fans would be a little more uh, relaxed when it came to the type of music being played there. But that prompted some funny responses. So this is my one. Well, there are a couple these next two are my favorites. So some guy responded, he said, all the top schools play whoop of that trick. <laughs> and then th- this one is my favorite. This guy, Mr. Root says, they should just play. <laughs> <laughs> they should just play wooly bully the whole time. And I'll tell you, the first time I read this, I didn't, I didn't realize what wooly bully was. I had to Google it. And then I realized what wooly bully is. MBG, nothing gets the kids hyped more than uh, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs singing Wooly Bully. Wooly Bully. Wooly Bully. Can you imagine just playing that on a loop? Wooly like, Bully. For like the one hour Wooly before Bully. kickoff? No, but when a song Wooly comes Bully. out way before I was born, you know it's old as hell. So. And then there was another good one. The this guy Frosty Raider five ten says the OP sounds white. I bet he'd be okay with songs with with curse words if they were by Andre three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> that, that line killed me. <laughs> Apparently, white people are okay with Andre three thousand. Yeah. We like. We are like outcasts. Is that the I deal? I don't. I, I don't even know why, but that just it seemed perfect for some reason. <laughs> me too. That one in the Wooly Bully outline got me good, uh, but I didn't realize that white people loved Andre Three Thousand so much. 
Oh, MBG, you know. <laughs> Joy, is that what the kids are saying? No. Joy, do you know <laughs> do you know who Andre 3000 is? No. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy smokes. Wow. He's about to Google it. We're old, man. I I thought I thought he was one of those hip guys that the kids were listening to. Yeah, so <laughs> that last message was literally talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, he was an outcast. Yeah, that's what yeah. I said. Outcast. Oh, I know outcast. Okay, Shake so it like so a Polaroid picture, picture. First, I thought he was in the Black Eyed Peas. And then I had to Google it as well to see that he was. You get outside. you get Fergie and Andre three thousand mixed up. <laughs> well, isn't there like forty seven people in the Black Eyed Peas? I figured Andre yeah, three thousand is probably yeah. one of them. Four, four. Yeah. So like, there's way more than four people in the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, there were four. MBG, do they play Whoop That Trick in Logan, Utah? I wouldn't look. I'm not <laughs> sure I would know Whoop That Trick if I heard it. It's actually a great song. <laughs> I just looked well, it up. All the top schools sure. are playing it. I mean, all the top <laughs> schools play Whoop That Trick. Joy, yeah, is LSU sure. playing Whoop That Let's Trick? Confirm. No, they're not playing Whoop That Trick. We're too busy screaming neck at the top of our lungs. So you're not a top <laughs> school then? No, we're not. <laughs> Clearly. I, I didn't know that was. Well, no, I would have said that. You could have just asked that question. At one time, Utah State, we, we would play this song. It was a rap that one of the players did. And it was modeled after, it was like a cover of a, a different rap song, which I didn't know. But in order to make the word Aggie fit, he had to say Aggie. So it was, I'm an Aggie. That's a very Texas, how Texas A&M of y'all? Well, for all, maybe this kid was from Texas. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so there was a, there's a song out there called I'm an Aggie. But yeah, so I'm going to go hunt that one down. Yeah. Casey, are you going to play Wooly Bully? Is that what you had on? It's on, baby. We might get in trouble for that, so I don't want to turn it <laughs> Yeah, we don't want any uh, – we don't so have served with papers in the morning. The good news is between all, of us, between all of us, we have a lot of legal experience, so we'll be fine. That's right. That's right. So I, I, I had a I question for you guys. If, if you could play a song, either by your favorite band or any band, but I was going to say by your favorite band at your football games, what would you play? Well – Mine, well, mine would be one of two. The best song of all time is Sleep Now in the Fire by Rage Against the Machine. But the more fitting song for Utah State would be Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. That's what I would play. That'd Can't go nice. wrong with either. That's a great question. I'm lucky because so many of my favorite artists are from Louisiana and they're already incorporated in LSU game day. Like Kevin Gates gets oh, played, cool. Lil Wayne gets played. They all get played already. So. Oh, that's cool. Spoiled. Well, well, Casey, Casey genuinely looks like uh, stressed <laughs> right now. Like, so. um, <laughs> Casey's trying to think of a Jimmy Buffett song or something. Yeah. That's right. So, I'll, you guys know, I gotta go. Just have a worship service. Right. So I, I'd obviously have to go with the Beastie Boys. I think the chalk selection would be sabotage. The deep cut for the Beastie Boys that would kick ass at a football game is a song called called time for living that came out i think a couple years before sabotage but either one of those i would be ready to run through a wall if they played those at a uva game have you guys ever heard of craven melon they were a local band to clemson i think i'd play sweet tea by craven melon at every clemson game because that's what i want to go with my copious amounts of tequila (laughs) 
We got some songs to listen to now. <laughs> but nobody's taking the Wooly Bully. <laughs> that's bully. number two, MB3. Yeah, that's that, was, two. that was right up there. Well, that's all I brought. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the MBG Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can check out more content at messageboardgeniuses.com. And we'll see you next time, losers. Oh, 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 oh,